Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. It's early in the morning, but I'm ready to go. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks, as always, for making your way here and checking out the series. Uh, If you're not already, please do hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists and discover some new ones as well. Uh, You can subscribe at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with... That's me, I'm Kyle Mayer, today talking with Mike Campbell, one of the great guitar heroes and songwriters of our time. He's got a brand new record with the uh, Dirty Knobs called External Combustion. And the former heartbreaker, well, the longtime, the lifetime heartbreaker, I guess is how you'd say it, co-founder of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, will be discussing more, uh, becoming a, more of a lyricist, having Margot Price and Ian Hunter guest on this record, and getting songwriting advice from Bob Dylan, who, if you'll remember, the, uh, the Heartbreakers once uh, was a backing band for. Now, Mike is also, speaking of the Heartbreakers, teamed back up with uh, bandmate Ben Montench on one of the tracks on this new record. So we're going to talk about what the future of their archives looks like. And then we head back to 1982's Long After Dark, the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers record. Uh, He's going to tell us about making uh, Keep a Little Soul with Darlene Love and feeling at odds with the uh, 80s sound of the time as well. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about Fleetwood Mac. You'll remember that along with Neil Finn, they both became uh, new members just a few years ago. But apparently that's not the deal anymore. But of course, that opens up his schedule for the upcoming tour with the Dirty Knobs, in which they'll finally get to play their debut album, Reckless Abandon, which was released in 2020. All that and more discussing external combustion. It's Kyle Meredith with Mike Campbell. Hello, good morning to you. Back with a new album with the uh, the Dirty Knobs, and uh, once again, an electrifying set. I hope you don't mind starting with the congratulations on this, but congratulations. This is another great album. Thank you very much. It always good to get a congratulations <laughs> <laughs> it's called external combustion um i don't know if that you're you're planning on a bit of a theme here but looking at the two albums with the dirty knobs now reckless abandon and external combustion at least uh with the titles goes it you know 
are you are you leaning into something here because you know you talk about preaching the gospel of rock and roll i kind of feel it right there yeah we're thinking of calling the tour the reckless combustion tour <laughs> yeah we're uh, you know it's a rock and roll band so we're carrying the torch that's true because you guys didn't really get the tour that uh, the last record at all is, is like that's that's it's you get finally like two albums at once is that a lot to tackle no it's good because now we have a you know a full set of original songs i mean it was really rough the way it happened for everybody but here we are things are opening up and we have uh, a nice big set list not too many covers now because we have album songs we got to put on there and uh, the band's sounding great we leave in about a week and we're out there it's almost like touring a double album uh sort of in yeah. a way in a way yeah well, the band does sound great on here, you know, capturing that sound. You've talked about this in other interviews, especially like capturing that live sound on a record. So many artists talk about doing that. And I don't feel like a lot of times everyone succeeds. You all seem to pull it off. Why is that so hard to, to, to really do this? It's not hard. I guess it's just what you know what you are. It's not hard for me or this band. This band is great. And we just play like that, you know, and uh, we approached it like we want to make it as live as possible. We want the four guys playing. We want to hear the kinetic energy in the track, which we accomplished. And most of the guitar solos are live on the floor during the take. Very few overdubs. I mean, on this second record, External Combustion, we did take some liberties with some strings and horns in one or two songs just because we wanted to. But uh, as a rule, it's a rock and roll boogie band. And we play on the records the way we sound live. Does it, um, you know, a lot of times you, you might get the opportunity to road test a lot of songs. Obviously, that that wasn't able to happen going into that one. Does that affect when you're when you're really trying to, I don't know, give the song? It's you know, is it all grown up by the time it makes the record, or is this just one of those moments in times where the song still gets to take off later? Well, uh, that's a good question. The, the songs can grow after we played in front of the audience a couple of times. You know, some of the things may change a little in the arrangements. But um, this band's been together for a long time. You know, we have a lot of telepathy and uh, we can think on our feet. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's a give or take with the audience. You know, you, you just try to connect with them. We don't have any hits per se. So we have to prove it on the on the stage in the moment, which I'm used to doing, and I love doing that. But uh, it's it's a, it's just a joy, you know. The main thing with us is we want to have fun. The record, you can tell we're having fun making it, and we want to have fun playing it live. So uh, you know, if you're having fun, you're usually pretty good at it. <laughs> uh, you might not uh, it's, you might not think you have a hit, but the uh, the real estate inside my brain tells me otherwise because how often I go around with the title track, especially to Reckless Abandon. Uh, it takes up a lot of my mental power, I think, right there. And not that's not a complaint. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to have some hits someday. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about some of the songs on this record, because not just the live sound, not just the boogie that you've got, but there's some serious poetry on here that, um, you know, I, I picked out in this lifetime state of mind. Uh, you know, where you're going with the lyrics. I hope you don't mind the broad the broad question here. I'm, I'll keep this one broad. Did you find that you were going to anywhere specific? when you got into the uh, the lyric writing of this album? Uh, well, I wanted to to flesh out the lyrics a little bit more. I'm, I'm getting where I really enjoy writing lyrics and I love getting into the characters of the song. I mean, most of our songs are very simple, you know, party songs, but occasionally 
it's nice to have a storyline, you know, and like a little movie. And I got where I was getting a little deeper into that and maybe trying to explore uh, the rhyme schemes a little bit and stretch the lyrics out a little where they're a little more interesting. And uh, I found that that's really fun, you know, not just settle for the first thing that rhymes. You know? <laughs> and uh, I look at them like little movies, you know, who are these characters? Where are they? What are they doing? What are they trying to accomplish? And uh, some of them, you know, may have dark themes here and there, but I always try to have a hope and redemption at the end of the song. You know, so however the song may go, at the end, I want people to feel good, like everything is going to be okay, you know. And the Heartbreakers always did that with their songs. You know, it was always hope at the end. You know? No one ends up on the bad street at the end of the songs with yours. No, I don't want anybody slitting their wrists at the end of the tune. It's good. No, I appreciate that, too. I mean, the, the pick-me-ups there. Uh, I brought up State of Mind. You got uh, Margot Price on here, one of uh, a few guests. Uh, and and gosh, she's one of our favorites over here at WFPK. And you all really, I mean, that chemistry works. Did you know her beforehand? What's the story of having her on the record? No, I did not know her. Uh, she had reached out through my management with her and her husband, Jeremy Ivy, uh, to do some writing, which I'm not used to doing, writing with other people. And so they came out and we uh, hung out for a couple of days and wrote some songs. And I happened to have that song up in the studio. And I asked her, you know, if she would be interested in singing on it with me. And she was so gracious. I just love her. She's, she's so, uh, so pure. You know, her voice is pure and, and real. And uh, she sang a verse and some harmonies. And she really put her heart into it. And she made the song so much better. So I just love her. Yeah. Now, when you say wrote some songs, though, that's that's plural. We've heard one here. Was what did what what happened to the other ones? Well, I hope some of them might show up on her next record. That was the idea: is to to help write for her. Um, I gave her a couple of songs I had, and we worked on a couple together. But uh, she's been touring. I don't know where where those songs are at at the moment, but maybe they'll see the light of day. Yeah, that's exciting, right there. Yeah. Um, Ian Hunter, uh, the other guest on here, too. Uh, I read, surprisingly, that you had never met Ian before this. How was that? How was that possible? You know, I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> Things just come to me like Margot. Uh, and he, he came to me, too. It was a phone call to the office. He had some music. He asked if I would overdub uh, some guitar on it. And I've always loved Mott the Hoople and Ian. It's just there's something really cool about his style and his writing. So I did a guitar overdub, sent it back, he liked it. He sent me another one, I did it, he sent it back, he liked it. So I got a little brave and I said, well, would you consider maybe singing on one of our songs? And surprisingly, he said, yeah. So I sent him this song, Dirty Job, and he sang a verse and some harmonies and put some piano on it. And I was just thrilled, you know, I was just so lucky to be in the right place at the right time with that one. Man, one of the great heroes of uh, of, of the genre here, rock and roll. I Mm -hmm. I mean, put you on the spot. You got what you got a favorite from uh, from from Mott's um, all the way from Memphis. That makes sense. That makes sense right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bridget Bardot also. Th that was a nice surprise on this record. Uh, is there a little bit like did you have Dylan in mind at all on that one? Because when I heard that, maybe it's because the only other song I can think of that brings up Bridget Bardot is a Bob Dylan song. But uh, but that was sort of that had the feeling to me in that track. What song is that? Oh, yeah. God, now you put me on the spot. I should have had that information. Okay, I don't know what song. Uh, I'm sure people have used her name before. And that was, uh, it's funny because I was just talking to a French journalist and he wanted to talk all about Bridget Bardot. And uh, 
I got so excited. I called the office and said, can we send her the song? Just, just send it to her, see if she likes it. But uh, that was a track, a, a piece of music, uh, just a group that I really liked. And uh, I love the sound of Bridget Bardot. You know, I just thought that was a great sounding word. And like, she was like every young man's wet dream back in the day, you know? So I thought she'd be the perfect character for the song. And I like the part about, you know, shake, get on the floor, shake for me and flash your baby blues just for me. I thought that was kind of cute. It's just a party song. Uh, so thank you, Bridget. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Dylan, that was uh, that was his main point of it, too, that she was everyone's, as you say, wet dream back in the day. Let's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. It's like it's something about, uh, you know, you want to populate America, get everybody a picture of Bridget Bardot. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, Bob Dylan is always in the back of my mind, uh, a great inspiration. And I, I try to uh, uh, emulate his approach as much as I'm capable of doing it. But he told me once, which is a really good tip. He said, when you're writing a song, you know, you've got your verses and your bridge, your chorus. He said, because with the Heartbreakers, we get three verses written. For the first ones that came up, we're done. Okay, let's move on. He said, don't stop with that write 20 verses while you're in the zone, you know, and the, the last ones might be better than all the other stuff you had. So I try to do that. You know, I tend to now, rather than just settle for the first thing that rhymes, I'll try to stretch it out and, and write extra verses and see what happens. So on this album, there's a little more uh, lyric uh, adventure, I guess. Yeah. Well, geez, I've been getting songwriting advice from Bob Dylan. That's, that's not nothing. No. <laughs> Lightning Buggy, I was going to bring that one up too, because uh, you know what a what a fun track that is. As we talk about good party songs, right there, uh, I, I'll kind of put this one similar territory. Do you find that you're channeling anyone there? I didn't have anyone in mind like Dylan, but uh, you know, it, that seems such like just one of those great boogie songs. Uh, you know, I don't think I'll, I just like the dang it, dang it, dang it, dang it, dang it, dang it. I wanted a, a fast uh, boogie, and, uh, and it, so I thought, oh, it sounds like a lightning, it's a lightning boogie. And then it was just uh, really written really quickly. The lyrics are not very deep on it, but it's mostly just about having fun and a burst of adrenaline. And it's really great live. We've been rehearsing. That's going to be a great live song. Yeah. Yeah, that feels like that. Of course, got to bring up Ben Mon is on there. You've yeah. got uh, back on there. So just a natural thing that, you know, that I don't know if that's as big as to you as it is for us fans, but that's a pretty big deal. It's a big deal for me, too. I love Ben Mon and we haven't played together much. And uh, I'd already finished the track and uh, he happened to come into town that week and I thought he'd be great on it. So he came over and, you know, play it once or twice and that was it. You know, he's, he's quick. <laughs> Professionals, all of you. Do you, uh, do you talk to the guys much these days? Yeah, I've been talking to the guys recently. I started doing this little interview show for Tom Petty Radio where I'm going to interview everybody in the band. And I've talked to uh, Ron and Ben and I talked to Stan Ferroni, Thurston, actually Thurston I talked to. So I'm uh, getting back in touch with them a little bit, but I haven't talked much uh, in the last couple of years because we're so isolated, you know. You know, for a lot of times, especially, you know, in, in these situations, uh, the, the idea starts to become about the archival projects. Is that is that something you all work on? I mean, is there a big archive, you know, left to still un unearth with the work that you all have done over the past 45 years? Well, no, uh, I don't like going back and reliving nostalgia, especially under such sad circumstances. But we have a great engineer who's been doing that. 
uh, going back and digging through all the uh, leftover tracks and jams and this and that. And some of that stuff will come out eventually. Um, but I don't really feel emotionally uh, like taking that on right now. I'm still grieving, you know. When you, when you find a track like Keep a Little Soul, which, by the way, just thank goodness that one came out, you know. Yeah. You know, fi finding those gems in there. I mean, that's those are those are. Uh, and that one too, what, um, God, I, what I was reading that that was on long, going to be, you guys did that for long after dark session, which as it turns out, coincidentally, as I'm bringing this up, uh, the 40th anniversary year for that little record right there. And yeah, uh, what a, you know, I remembered, I liked that song. It didn't make our record <coughs> at the time, but we were working with uh, Jimmy Iovine and we actually, I hope it still exists. Uh, we went and, and did that uh, track with uh, Darlene Love singing. And uh, she really was good on that song. Um, so yeah, you know, there's stuff that's left in the vaults that will come out eventually, but I'm not hands-on with that. They they'll they find something, they'll send it to me and I'll you know sign off or not sign off on it. But I'm busy, you know, I don't have time to go looking through old tapes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll listen to them for you. Uh, not the old tapes, but uh, like that record. I did revisit, I, I guess I hadn't listened to Long After Dark in a little while. And it was just a good excuse to put that on. And that record, I going back on it now, like I was surprised it drives the whole time. Like even the mid-tempo songs, there is a drive that just pushes and pushes and pushes on that record. I don't know if you hear it like that, but uh, but like, you know, whatever you can say about that record, I'd love to hear it because what a great little gem uh, of an album that one is. Yeah, uh, we it drives. We are driven. Uh it was recorded at the record plant, I remember, um, with Jimmy Iovine. We went into another studio we didn't normally use. And uh, we did it relatively quick. I'd, I'd have to go back and listen to it again. I haven't heard it in a while. Uh, I think that has You Got Lucky on it. I like that one a lot. Um, we had fun making that record. And I think because we were at a new studio, maybe we were a little more excited. I don't know. Hey there, it's Kyle Meredith from Kyle Meredith With. After you check out the latest episode of my show, uh, be sure to check out some of our other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Standing BTS, a bi-weekly podcast covering all things BTS and ARMY, and The Opus, Consequence's original documentary podcast exploring legendary albums and their lasting legacies. So head to consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, the, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Did you ever, it, I, I don't, I'm not projecting here because it doesn't ever feel like you did it, where the music goes. I mean, uh, Heartbreakers had a very successful 80s, but coming out of the 70s, did you ever feel at odds with what was happening with pop culture in the 80s, the way music was going? Like when I hear that synth on You Got Lucky and think about where, stuff like new wave was headed and everything was that ever part of that conversation yeah and it's interesting that 
era, when I hear it now, I can hardly listen to it. All those 80s snare drums, echo records. Ugh. I'm, I'm glad that didn't last. Um, you know, what's interesting about You Got Lucky is I did write it on a synthesizer because I happened to have one of Ben's keyboards at my house. And the same thing with Boys of Summer I did on a keyboard, wrote it. But uh, uh, with the Dirty Knobs right now, uh, we got our set together, which is mostly the two albums. But we're do we have a handful of Heartbreaker songs that we're going to do from time to time. And You Got Lucky is one of them. And but we don't have a synthesizer. I just do it on the guitar, like it almost sounds like London Calling. And the song works really good that way without that synthesizer. So uh, yeah, the '80s uh, production. I I usually skip the channel when that stuff comes on. Now I like you know I like the that's that was my era. I like songs to sound like that. You do that well. You do that really well. Uh, okay, so the tour is yeah the tour is coming up. Um, and I know that's the main focus. Uh, is Fleetwood Mac, are you still involved in that at this point? Is that still taking up part of your time? No. Uh, it, uh, no to both questions. Uh, we, we did a long tour and it was a wonderful experience. I don't really know what they're up to. Um, we, did, we had a meeting at the end of the two years or whatever, and everybody was really tired. And they all decided, let's just take a few years off. John wants to sail on his boat. Stevie wants to do some solo gigs. Christine wants to, you know, tend to her garden in England, and Mick wanted to go to Hawaii. So we just we didn't break up per se, um, uh, but it's an open question. I I kind of think that might be a, a sail a ship that sailed already for me. But if uh, something came up and I had a free schedule and they had called me and wanted me to do anything, I would be there because I love those guys. They're great people. Yeah, just what an interesting little chapter in all of your your careers right there. That was a uh, kind of fun crazy to watch. thing. Oh, really? I know. I'm just, I'm, things just come to me. I'm so lucky. I don't know. Well, uh, continuing what you do right here with the Dirty Knobs. I mean, again, two excellent records. This new and external combustion. I really, really am hopeful to see some of the shows out on this tour because the way these songs sounds, the way you're talking about them, what you're doing, uh, this does sound like a whole lot of fun. The band sounds incredible. I must say, I'm so excited. We just finished our rehearsal yesterday, and the gear's on the way to Florida. But the band is tight and excited, and we have a lot of fun. Yeah. Is it, uh, quickly, I'll ask, is it one of the other members singing on uh, It Is Written? Because it is another vocalist on that, right? You know what? That's funny. You wish somebody else said that, but that's all me. Is that you? You sound different in a, in a spot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'll have to go hear that again with that in mind. But somebody else mentioned that. I said, not on that song, no, it's just me. I didn't know if you were uh, sort of doing, uh, turning over the, uh, the the lead vocal duties to one of the other folks at the, yeah guitar player on certain songs maybe i did and i just don't remember i'll have to go hear it again but to my memory that was all me maybe i just affected my voice for that the, a character here and there i don't know well mike uh thank you so much for taking the time again congratulations on this new record and everything that you're doing recently uh we're such big fans and i love that you're continuing uh to once again i'll say preach this gospel of rock and roll you do it so well thank you so much. i appreciate that very much thanks for your time now, it was just back in 2020, the last time Mike and I got to talk, and that's when we were discussing the uh, Dirty Knobs debut album, Reckless Abandon. Uh, he gave us the history of the project, which stretched back well over a decade. We got to talk about what it was like to play nearly secret live shows with an unknown band that carried no hits to fall back on. Uh, we also heard about collaborating with uh, Chris Stapleton on a track. Uh, Campbell says he would have liked to have seen 
what Tom Petty would have done with some of these songs when asked if they could have been used for uh, the Heartbreakers had that been an option. So I want to include that interview here as well. Part two, Kyle Meredith with Mike Campbell. Hi, Kyle. I'm having so much fun listening to this record, The Dirty Knobs. It's the debut record, but this isn't exactly a new band for you, right? No, we've been together like 12, 15 years. Obviously, you have, you've had another life in those 12 to 15 years, but were there conversations leading up to now about doing the record, or did it take till now to actually think, okay, we have to do this? We, it started out, which it kind of still is, a labor of love. You know, We just love to play together, and I would get together with these guys between Heartbreakers tours and record and go out and play. We never you know, thought about it more than that. But as we started compiling material, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, you know, someday it'd be great to, to put this band out there. But I figured I would never do it until the Heartbreakers took a hiatus or whatever. And now here we are, unfortunately, in this universe we're in now. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity was there. And so that's the, you know, that's, that's where my energy went straight to the Dirty Knobs. Making no light of the situation we're in now, obviously, but uh, yeah. you know, as as the members of the Dirty Knobs, thinking, man, I've got one of the greatest. I'm in a band with one of the greatest uh, songwriter guitarists in the world, and uh, I got to wait on him. <laughs> well, you know, it, that, the great thing about this band is um, there's no egos, and we never approached it as a commercial venture. It was always like, hey, we love to play, we have some time, let's get together. And they were very patient about it, you know, and they've got other things going on, too. Sometimes I'd have to wait for them. But now it's uh, our time has opened up and uh, we're free to do this. What's interesting hearing about it, because as as you have been around for that, you know, uh, over the decade and everything, you would play shows. And, and I have to imagine those early shows, you know, being under the radar is there freedom for you in that, playing those sort of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if secret identity is the right word. I don't mm-hmm. feel like you're ever trying to mask it, but uh, it's definitely not, you know, the stadium crowd. No, you're right. And we've always approached it, and uh, out of respect to my partner, Tom, I tried to keep it under the radar. But you know what's funny nowadays is there is no under the radar. <laughs> Uh, and, and the early when we first started playing, we could go out and play a club, and me, I, I might have a handful of songs that I wanted to try out on the crowd, and it would get played that night, and that was it, you know. And then I would learn from it. Nowadays, whenever you play, they've all got their phones, and it's on the internet before you get home, you know. So under the radar is kind of a, a lost thing. But there's still got to be some sense of having to earn the audience. I mean, now they obviously know who's on stage and they know your back catalog with the Heartbreakers. But, but this is all, these songs still have to stand on their own, right? Exactly. That's a great point. You know, like the Dirty Noms don't have any hits. <laughs> and in these club gigs, you have to prove it on the, on the night. You know, you're playing songs they've never heard before. Maybe a cover here and there they might have heard. But you're not relying on familiar hits to win the crowd over. You've got to win them over with your persistence and music, you know. So does that change how you approach, you know, uh, the stage when when you have a set like this? I mean, even when you're playing new Heartbreaker songs, you know, when those were around everything, if, even if we didn't know them, we knew that American Girl was coming up at some point. But is there right. a way you have to work that room that's different than, than when you're on the stadium stage? It is different, but I'll tell you a secret. Like, when we... Uh, we first recorded You Got Lucky back in the day, and we went out and played a gig, and we, we played You Got Lucky, and it was like crickets, you know. And then, you know, a few months later, it was on the radio, and we played it, and they loved, they recognized it and immediately started singing along. So with the Dirty Knobs, it's not about playing familiar hits. It's about we're here, you're here, we're going to play some music, and we're going we're gonna to 
win you over, hopefully, with what we're doing on the stage right now. Well, we definitely got that in the first single right here because uh, Reckless Abandon is so much fun to listen to. I mean, what a great rock and roll song that you produced here. And, and I hope you don't mind the broad question here, but can you tell me the story behind that one? Well, Reckless Abandon was just an, a, a song I wrote one day. I don't know where it came from. I, I got the phrase Reckless Abandon. I thought that applied to the Dirty Knobs because we kind of play that way. <laughs> and then I just I threw it together, you know, put some characters in there. And I like the chords a lot because it sounds like it's changing keys going up all the time. And I thought it would be a good song for the Rickenbacker, uh, ringing Rickenbacker tones. And we just uh, we just threw it together. There was no great thought behind it. We just liked the way it sounded, and uh, we played. We only you know played it once or twice, and that was the take. You know, and the thing about this record too, as you can hear on that track especially, is this is a band playing live in the studio. You know, we didn't go in and start and overdub pieces here and there. We set up live, got our sound. And we performed the song, you know, right on the floor, solos and everything. The, the live in the studio, it's not even just a lost arts. It's it's something that, I, you know, a lot of new musicians, and I say young musicians, they're not even aware that you can do that, I don't think. It seems like that. There's a lot of uh, new music. I have trouble latching on to a lot of new music because it sounds like it was done on a computer. Yeah. I mean, I like, there's some songs that are great done that way. For instance, Jeff Lynne is really great at building stuff up one piece at a time. And I love doing those kind of recordings also, but I I prefer the band playing live at once so you get that interplay, you know, and the electricity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of soul. Uh, that, yeah, that I think so. That. Yeah. Uh, of course, I've got to ask about a song called Fuck That Guy, because that's a yeah. fun one. <laughs> <laughs> this one always comes up. It's hilarious. <laughs> Typically over the years, I only wrote within my band, but I, got a, I had met Chris Stapleton in passing once at Wrigley Field. He opened for the Heartbreakers. And I said, hi. And anyway, he called me and said, would you like to get together and write some songs? And that's kind of out of my comfort zone. But I said, yeah, let's give it a shot. So he came out. We hung out for three days and wrote several songs. And one day he goes, you know, I had an idea for a song, maybe a title called Fuck That Guy. He said, I think people can relate to that. And I said, I can certainly relate to that. Let me, can I mess around with it? And he said, sure. So I went ahead and threw, threw some verses together and, and showed it to the band. We literally played it once or twice in the studio, and that was it. And there wasn't much thought behind it, but it's something that everybody relates to. And I get so many questions about it, which is kind of funny because it was, wasn't thought out. It was just so quickly done. And uh, But, you know, I think a sense of humor goes a long way. Absolutely. Well, it's hard not to. I mean, it's a definitive statement, you know, whereas a lot of song titles, you know, they're nice. They're poetry, you know, but, but there's something mm-hmm. that's very direct in that. So, of course, you, you wonder, it's like, who the hell is he talking about? What? Who did you wrong, man? <laughs> well, in any day, anybody can do you wrong. You know, they might cut you off in traffic or they might cut in line at the store or they might just look at you funny. And you think to yourself, well, fuck that guy. (laughs) I think everybody kind of does that, so maybe that's why the song resonates with people. There's a lot of those moments on it. You know, I want to bring up Don't Knock the Boogie, too, because Ah. even before I listened to that, I wondered, and and I'm guessing it's not, by the way, but I wondered if this could be a response to Long John Baldry's Don't Try to Lay No Boogie Woogie on the King of Rock and Roll. You know, I don't even hardly remember that song. That sounds familiar, but the truth behind Don't Knock the Boogie was a similar story to Fuck That Guy. Uh, George Draculius, our producer, came in one day, and he's kind of a goofy, funny guy, and he says, hey, don't knock the boogie. And I said, well, that's a cool title. Can I mess around with that? So I, I gave him songwriting credit for that because he came up with the title. And there's another thing where we just thought, well, that you know, it's not really a song. It's mostly just like a 
a story. Like I was thinking of it like a John Lee Hooker talking over the music. And uh, it's just a you know a little movie, but it's very spontaneous. It was really like right off the we we he you know we we heard it that afternoon. I threw some words together and we cut it. I think we played it once and that's it. It sounds like that's kind of the story behind a lot of this record. I mean, these it sounds like a lot of these songs were just kind of easy ideas that that landed into great rock and roll. Yeah, uh, most of the like ninety percent of the record is. Some of the songs are a little older, like. And someone else was asking me, who are these songs about, you know? And they're really not about anybody unless it's some subconscious thing that comes out. But they're just characters. There is one song that is specifically about one person, and that's the song called I Still Love You. Uh, But the other ones are just, you know, fictional characters, you know? Do you find that you have uh, the same relationship with a song that just kind of happens on a whim like that as you do something that you have to try and and chisel at? Well, at the end of the day, if, if a song holds up, you know, over time, it doesn't matter whether you did it fast or slow. You know, if, if you like the song, you know, songs age. Some songs you think are the, like the best thing you ever did, and three days later you hear it and you go, oh, that's not so good. And other songs you go, well, man, that, I still hear that. You know, I can, I can read different things into it over time. It has, it has legs, you know. So it's really, you know, a good song's a good song. If it comes to you, luckily, quickly, it's always nice. But, you know, sometimes you got to slave over them. You mentioned uh, George Reculius being the producer behind this when he had done the last DJ record for the Heartbreakers. Was there anything about that album that you that you that that pointed to this one that you liked and said that's what I want from this? I like George because of his energy mostly. He's a great energy to have around the studio because he's happy-go-lucky and he's really smart, but he's also kind of goofy and keeps everybody laughing and keeps it lighthearted. And I kind of I thought he'd be the perfect energy for this record, and he was. From what you're saying, then, you know, because of the way a lot of these songs happen, do you think any of these songs would have ended up being Heartbreaker songs? That's that's an interesting question. Uh, Maybe. I mean, I can can hear what you're saying. There's times when I hear, like, say, for instance, Reckless Abandon. If Tom had been around, I would have given him that music and see what he would come up with on it, you know, because that's the way we always worked. And I loved working with him, and I think one thing I'll miss the most is not being able to write any more songs together, because he was so good at taking a piece of music and then bringing in, you know, his point of view on top of it and making it into a great song. So, I mean, that crossed my mind a few times. I wonder what Tom would have done with this. But, you know, he's not here, so I must press on. And we should mention, though, uh, Benmont is on here. Yeah. Do you find do you see yourself ever recording with any of the Heartbreakers again outside of things like this? You know, I do. But it's still a little close to the bone. We're all still grieving heavily. And uh, I just don't quite, I'm not quite to the space where I'd like to be in a room with all those guys and look up and not see Tom with us. Emotionally, I just don't think I'm ready for that. But in terms of just, yes, I would love to do something with them eventually, someday. I'm just not there yet. Well, obviously, I mean, we, you know, it's been said a million times how how much magic you all put into the world uh, you know the the well, way you. yeah you constructed songs together it's it's soundtrack to everybody's i mean there's not one person that's not touched somehow by the music of of what you all have done oh, thank you even these little guest spots you know just knowing that Bentman is on here i think that means a lot to a lot of us you just see oh that well that's is. cool yeah i i deliberately kept keyboards off the record in general because it's a guitar band but we had that song and i thought you know it'd be nice to have ben come in and, and play on one song just for the spirit spirituality of it and he came in you know and did it real quick it was wonderful and uh you know there's a lot of love between the heartbreakers but i really wanted to to make this record have its own uh, individuality from all that stuff if possible 
Well, it's such a cool record. Uh, it, it really, Thank you. really, really. Is. I'm real proud of it. Uh, I, I would like to ask if you're okay with it. One about the about Fleetwood too, because that's that's yeah. sort of your other life right now. Is the future of Fleetwood Mac in live music only? That's a good question. Because when I first got the call from Mick and he said, "You're in the band. You know, if you want to be, this is not an audition." And I said, "Okay, great." Well, I, I I thought about it for a day and called him back and said, "Yeah, I'm in." I said. You know, it starts with the songs. I assumed we were going to make a record first. And he goes, oh, well, we've got these tour commitments, which ended up being a year and a half. <laughs> and so we had a meeting at the end of the tour, and, and they all decided that uh, they don't really want to do any more long tours like that again. But they're open to doing a handful of gigs if they come up. And nobody really mentioned recording. I mean, I would with Neil Finn and me and, and, and that band, I think we could make a great record. And if they want to do it, I'm up for it. I, that to me that that's so interesting because you do bring this feel. I mean, you bring this style into it, and 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 Fleetwood has so much history with you know different guitarists and different styles in there. Oh, the greatest rhythm section. I mean, you Absolutely. know, if you think about it, they're the longest lasting rock and roll rhythm section still together. Yeah, it's incredible. And it was a joy playing with them every night. They're just amazing. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I would love to record with them, but I don't know where their heads at or exactly on that. But we'll wait and see. I know you've co-wrote a lot of songs with Stevie too for for some of her solo stuff. Do you do you all ever talk about bringing that stuff out? Uh, it's funny. I found a track the other day that I forgot we had done. It was really good, and I sent it to her and said, you know, you should check this out. I haven't heard back yet. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, she's real busy. She wants to do a film about Rhiannon. She's got some tour dates, and she wants to, you know, do that for a year, year and a half. So everybody else can do other things for now. Well, it's great to see you out there. I mean, it's exciting for me. I'm a huge Neil Finn uh, fan, too. So Oh, good. Yeah, so, he's amazing. Yeah, seeing all of that come together, it's nothing that any of us would have ever expected, you know, having mm-hmm. this as, uh, as Fleetwood these days. So it's it's really awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I look forward to catching the Dirty Knobs. I mean, you guys are going to tour this, right? Yeah, we're going everywhere we can go. Uh, we're starting out. We're going to do uh, a tour on our own. We're starting in little places. You know, I said, don't book us anywhere where we can't sell out. And we've sold out all the dates and added some dates here and there. So we're starting. Starting small, which I'm really comfortable with. And then in June, uh, Chris Stapleton was, was nice enough to offer some opening dates for him in some bigger places. And then after that, we'll book another tour of our own, and, and hopefully over time we can build up to theaters. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Main thing is we just want to play and have fun. That's cool. Seeing you guys, seeing you like in a garage band all over again. <laughs> I know. Right back where I started. I love it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Mike, it is, again, such an honor and a pleasure to talk to you today. Congratulations on the Dirty Knobs. This is such a fun record to listen to, and and thank you so much for the conversation today. Oh, those are great words, and I I really appreciate your compliment, and thank you for calling. I I appreciate you getting involved, too. Definitely, man. Uh, Take care. We'll see you out there. Yeah, if you come to a gig, come back and say hi to us. Absolutely. would love that. Okay. All right, man. See you. All the best. Bye. And a big old thanks to Mike Campbell. Mike Campbell and the Dirty Knobs. The new record is called External Combustion. Big thanks to you as well for checking out the episode again before you head out. Please do hit that subscribe button for three new interviews every single week. A new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, mostly on Twitter, but also Facebook and Instagram, all three of them at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
Consequence Podcast Network. Louisville, Kentucky. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.